Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the pod. Today I'm going to be discussing a, another installment in the series on marriage and relationships. And last installment, we discussed together biblical foundations for communication. So in other words, why, why are we as human beings able to communicate in a way that is unique from every other creature on the face of the planet? And obviously that has to do with um, the fact that we are made in the image of God and we have the likeness of God. We've been given some of the similar abilities that God has to think and to reason, to communicate abstractly, and the animal kingdom just does not possess those attributes. So our communication is unique and special. Today, the focus really needs to be on the first aspect of communication with other people. And there are two aspects in total, of communication. One is communication by listening. So in other words, you're receiving communication from somebody else. Now you're receiving, when when I say listening, you're receiving not only the words that they speak, but you're receiving perhaps hand gestures, body language, facial expressions. It could be even things such as writing that you receive from another person that you have to listen to. So that's one aspect of communication is the listening aspect. The second aspect would be the actual speech where you're actively communicating with somebody else. You you are the one who is trying to express your thoughts, your desires, your intention. You're trying to share your perspective on a particular situation. And we will discuss that in the coming weeks. But today, the focus is on communication by listening. Now, why do we start here? It seems to be not the obvious place to start. It seems like we should talk about all of the speech aspects of communication first, since the Bible does emphasize greatly uh, the tongue and the use of the tongue, both the correct use and the incorrect use of the tongue. Well, I would say this. Instead of starting with the tongue, which is well-known, there's a lot of a lot, a lot of material about it in the Bible. I think it's better to start with listening. Why? In James chapter 1, James says this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James's admonition to the church, which I think is the right admonition for all of us, is that we should be quick to listen. So many of us are not quick to listen. We are quick to speak. We are quick to share our opinion. We are quick to respond to various situations and circumstances, but we are not quick to listen. And I I want to emphasize in this series that a major, major point of communication, effective communication, is good listening. Now, I'm sure that you've heard that from other people. I'm sure that if you were to go to a secular psychologist, you could hear that. But when I'm talking about listening, I'm trying to place the emphasis where God is placing the emphasis. Quick to listen, 
slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You think about that. Why, why that order? How often do we get angry because we haven't fully understood or comprehended some speech that was given to us? I would say it's rather frequent that our anger is a result of not properly understanding speech that was spoken to us. And there are a number of reasons why speech comes across uh, poorly. You know, you could, you, could, you, you could be the one who misinterprets it. It could be on the person who spoke it. Maybe they were unclear. Maybe they didn't use the right tone of voice. Or, or maybe they just brushed you off and, and you are just miffed off because they brushed you off. Okay. Emphasizing listening is a very key aspect of cultivating a harmonious marriage relationship. Really emphasizing listening is key to emphasize to cultivating harmonious relationships, not just in marriage, but in many other aspects of life as well. Well, let's turn our attention to some common protestations, if you will, that are often made in marriage. When you say to your spouse, why aren't you listening to me? What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, that is a common protestation. When you feel like you are not being heard, you say, why aren't you listening to me? And it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. I believe there are two definitions of listen that are applicable in your marriage relationship and applicable from the scriptures. The first is to hear a noise and give attention to a sound. That's the basic definition of listen. So if we were, let's say, out in the woods hunting and you were hunting for squirrels, you would stop and be still and you would listen for either the chatter of the squirrel or the rustling of grass to help pinpoint the location of the squirrel. So you would hear the noise and then you would give attention to that sound. That's the basic definition of listen. But the other definition of listen is a little bit more involved. It means to hear somebody's words and to be persuaded by those words. To hear someone's words and to be persuaded by those words. That's the definition that we want to focus on in this class. How can you learn to be a persuadable person? Now, this doesn't mean that you have to give in on every issue. But what it means is that you have to learn to see issues from a perspective that is not just your own perspective. It doesn't mean that you have to agree. It doesn't mean that you have to ultimately come to the same conclusion. But if you're going to have successful and clear communication in your marriage relationship, you are going to have to be able to demonstrate that you clearly understand and can articulate what your spouse is saying to you, that you understand the issue. And there may be times where um, your spouse is correct and you're incorrect and you need to change your perspective on a particular issue. But you won't know that unless you really allow yourself to be persuaded by their words. This will make you often uncomfortable. And sometimes that's an okay place to be. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to feel 
like you've been moved off your center. God uses those opportunities and those moments to help us to become sanctified and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. He uses those moments to point out our flaws and our errors in the areas of sanctification that we need to continue to improve upon. You know, like fruits of the Spirit, um, other aspects of holiness. Let's talk now about some responses to listening. There are some different categories of listeners, all right? The first category is the non-persuaded, hard-hearted listener. This person is not going to be persuaded no matter what you say or do. And here's their basic attitude. I'm going to do what I want no matter what you say or what you show me. And the perfect example of this would be Pharaoh during the 10 plagues that God brought upon Egypt. In Exodus 8.15, Pharaoh says this, When Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. And so even though Pharaoh saw these miracles of God and Pharaoh was and he heard the words of Moses, he was not persuaded to change his mind in any way, shape, or form. Rather, he hardened his heart, he dug into his position, and he continued to defy Yahweh God and Moses, and he ended up bringing greater destruction upon himself and his people. That's the first response to listening. I would encourage you not to have that response. Don't be somebody who is not persuadable and who ends up hardening your heart. Now, the second response to listening is also not a a great response. This is the category of you can be persuaded to do wrong even though you know better, all right? So you're going to listen to somebody and you're going to hear and understand the words that they're saying And you recognize that those words are sinful. What they want you to do is sinful. And you're going to be persuaded to do that because of your love and devotion to that person. This is the I'm willing to sin if you sin category. So in Genesis chapter 3, 17, God says to Adam that he listened to Eve and ate the fruit. Now, Adam was there listening to the serpent as well. I don't believe he was far away from Eve. I believe he was right there, present during the entire exchange. But he was not persuaded by the serpent. He had no love for the serpent, no attachment to the serpent. But when Eve was persuaded by the serpent, and Tim, or Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that she was deceived and tricked, and she ate the fruit, and then she convinced Adam to eat the fruit, Adam listened to Eve and ate the fruit. He was willing to sin, to listen to her words, and to be persuaded by them because of his great love for her and his devotion to her. There will be times in your marriage relationship that one spouse may try to convince the other spouse to do something that is sinful, that is wicked. And you have to not allow yourself to do that. That is a situation where you do listen carefully, but you don't allow yourself to be persuaded by those words because ultimately 
the concept that is presented to you, the choice that is presented to you is one that is sinful, and your greater obligation is to obey God and his word rather than to act in solidarity with your spouse. A great example of this happens in the New Testament when Ananias and Sapphira both sell a piece of land and they conspire together to offer up part of the purchase price and claim that the part of the purchase price was actually the whole of the purchase price. I don't know if it was Ananias's plan or Sapphira's plan, but the fact of the matter is one of them had the plan and the other one was persuaded to do it and they were persuaded to do evil, and it resulted in punishment for both of them. Not loss of salvation, but punishment. That's Acts chapter 5. All right, a third response to listening is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. This response, this category, would be the do what's right and honor the Lord response. Because the Lord has spoken, we will do it. All right? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, let me read these verses to you. Now, this is the commandment. Moses is speaking here. The statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Note particularly Moses' instruction here. Listen and be careful to do it. They were to be persuaded by the word of God because it is the only objective standard of truth. They were to be persuaded by the word of God because the word of God brings life, peace, joy, and, in the case of Israel, prosperity. There was a physical blessing attached to the Israelites' commitment to listen and then practice what God said. Of course, we understand that we, we are not Israel, the nation, and these promises don't apply to us in the same way. But how can we take this principle and have it work out in our marriage? How can we take this principle and have it work out in our marriage? Well, first of all, what is the principle? Here's the principle. The principle is, when somebody speaks to you from God's word, they are speaking to you from a body of truth that is eternal. It is a body of truth that, as Christians, we believe should govern our entire lives and all aspects of life. This body of truth is an objective standard by which all can be measured against, and it doesn't play favorites. It is totally impartial. It treats men and women the same. It treats masters and slaves the same. It treats husbands and wives the same. It, it treats uh, parents and children the same. Why? Not that there's not different levels or structures of authority, 
but there is one body of truth, one set of morality that governs you, governs you whether you are a, a child or a parent. You know, child, children cannot get away with lying, and parents cannot get away with lying. Husbands can't get away with lying, and wives can't get away with lying. That's a, that's a standard that applies to, to everybody. So the principle then is that when your spouse brings to you a critique or some thoughts, some wisdom that they have gleaned from the Word of God that they want to apply to your marriage or your family life, the principle is we listen to the Word of God and we allow ourselves to be persuaded by that. Here's how this has worked in my marriage. Nobody has helped me to become more sanctified than my wife. Nobody has helped me to become more like Jesus than my wife. Why? Because she sees all my flaws. She sees all of the areas of my life where I don't measure up, where I don't practice the fruits of the Spirit, where I don't do what I ought to do. And in my household, in my relationship, I've tried to foster an environment where she can bring biblical critiques to me, and I will listen and be persuaded of those things. I have to do that. I have to foster that environment. I have to encourage that environment. And that basically means that there are numerous times where I'm eating humble pie. And that's okay. God knows that I need to eat humble pie. Pride is an issue for all of us. And God has determined that my wife is the number one person to serve me the humble pie. Now that works in reverse as well. I also can bring things to her and can talk to her about areas of her life that need improvement from the Word of God. And we have tried to do this for one another so that we can grow to be more Christ-like as a couple, to be more God-honoring, and to do better in our parenting and in our personal relationships. So the principle that we apply then is this. When your spouse brings to you truth from the Word of God, you allow yourself to be persuaded and then practice what you have learned from the Word of God. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at it, but you're going to start practicing. You're going to repent and change. And here are some of the barriers to having this work out well in your marriage. And I've already told you just just briefly that it is humbling. It is humbling to have your spouse come and bring some of these things to you. And that's the number one reason why we don't cultivate a environment of good listening in our households. We don't cultivate an environment of thoughtful, careful listening in our marriages. The, the number one barrier is personal pride. Our own pride. We just don't want to be told that we are wrong or we're doing something wrong. And we need to, as believers, repent of our pride and ask for humility, and then thank God that he has given us a helpmate who is willing to help us grow in Christ-likeness. So the first barrier to really listening to your spouse and being persuaded is personal pride. We often think of men as being prideful, but women can be just as prideful as men. And so whether you're the husband or the wife, 
personal pride is a major issue that needs to be dealt with. A, another aspect or another barrier to good listening is that you don't trust your spouse and you don't think that your spouse has the right to tell you something. So either you don't trust your spouse, maybe you think that they're far inferior in their biblical knowledge. Well, that doesn't really matter, does it? The Lord can use whomever he wants to to rebuke whomever he wants to. And if you just take time to search your Bible, you'll find that there are examples of people who are inferior rebuking those who are superior. So don't think that you shouldn't trust your spouse because they perhaps are inferior in their knowledge of Scripture. That's an incorrect assessment. Another barrier is that you don't think that your spouse has the right, quote-unquote, to tell you something. Thinking that your spouse doesn't have the, quote-unquote, right to tell you something. Like, how dare you speak to me that way? I'm the man of the household. You should never speak to me that way. That's disrespectful for you to tell me that I've done something wrong or that I've sinned or something. Now, the manner, the manner could be disrespectful. But when you sign up to get married you commit yourself to having a helpmate. Helpmates, one of the responsibilities of helpmates is to provide accountability. And that automatically gives them certain rights in the relationship. Paul says one of the rights that both spouses have in marriage, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, is a right to one another's body. Both spouses have a right to conjugal relationships. And I would say that that principle of there are rights that you have just by the very nature of marriage, those extend to communication. As a helpmate, as a husband or as a wife, as two people who are supposed to be one flesh, you have a right to tell your spouse truth. You have a right to do that. Now, perhaps you need to be careful about how you do that. You need to be tactful about how you do that. We're not talking about presentation. We're talking about what is your right. So one of the barriers to listening is thinking that your spouse doesn't have the right to tell you something. Well, I'm telling you, the Bible says your spouse does have the right and your spouse has the responsibility. Okay? This leads me to my next barrier to listening. Let's say that you're willing to trust your spouse. You're willing to uh, believe that your spouse has a right to tell you something, but you're unwilling to hear any presentation if you don't like the presentation. All right? So even if the spouse makes a true statement to you about or from the Word of God applied to your life, and you don't like the presentation, then you dismiss that presentation. Perhaps you say, well, I don't like your tone of voice, or I don't, I think that's very unorganized, or you came to me in a disrespectful manner, or I didn't like whatever. There could be a number of things. You will discourage good communication if you always make the communication about the style of argumentation. There are times when uh, in my marriage, 
both my wife and I have said things in not very nice tones of voice, but they were absolutely true. And they did help to bring our thoughts to bear upon the word of God. Now, am I proud of that? That I don't always use the best tone of voice? Or that I speak things in anger when I should speak them in love and gentleness? No, I'm not proud of that. But it is a reality. And just because I sin in my presentation doesn't mean that the whole argumentation should be dismissed. And so if you're going to really have good communication in your marriage, you need to be willing to listen to the argument in spite of the presentation. Now, there's another barrier to listening, and it is this. It is that you're just a hard-hearted person, okay? You're stuck in a sinful habit. You're like Pharaoh. You don't want to deal with the sin. You don't want to confront the sin. You like the sin. Uh, you're, you're comfortable in the sin, and you just need to stop that. If you find that to be you, you need to stop that. Don't be like Pharaoh. Be like the people of Israel, willing to listen, careful to do it. I mean, that's what they said in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, did they always practice that well? No, of course they didn't. But were there generations? Were there certain individuals who did practice it well? Yes, there were. Be careful to listen and careful to do and practice all that the Lord commands. Another barrier to listening and I think this really ties back in with the one on personal pride, is that sometimes there is a different interpretation of the same packet, passage of Scripture or a lack of general knowledge about the Bible and biblical truth. If this is the situation and there is this general difference of interpretation, then it would greatly benefit you to stop the conversation, consult some commentaries or consult uh, your pastor or somebody who you really trust to help provide insight to you and your spouse so that you guys know that you're either on the right track or you're on the wrong track in relationship to how you're thinking about this biblical truth. Now, you may, you may not do all of these things. These are barriers to listening. You may not do all of these things. You may do only one or two of them. But I can guarantee you that if you are regularly doing two or three of these barriers to listening, you are shutting down a great deal of communication in your relationship. You can't do that. You have to be willing to put aside your pride, your arrogance, your perhaps know-it-all attitude, and then you have to be able to say, all right, I'm willing to listen. I want to be persuaded. Even though I think that you know what you're going to tell me, let me be persuaded. Let me be a persuadable person. This is a real attitude of the heart, and I think that's why, you know, when I started out this particular section, you start with James chapter 1, verse 19. Everyone must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Right? This is a command. It's a command. If you're a believer, you are commanded to be quick to listen. Too many times will we get in a discussion with our spouse, we are just waiting for our turn to speak. While they're talking to us, we are 
looking at them perhaps, but in our mind, we are formulating our argument for what we want to say next. Now, listening is a means to becoming wise beyond your years. I want to take you to two more passages here in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Do you want to become wise beyond your years? Perhaps you're young, newly married. Do you want to have the maturity of a marriage that's been going on for 10 years when you've only been married for one? Be the one who listens to counsel. Be a couple who listens to counsel. Uh, another good verse is Proverbs 19.20. Listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. These are very, very important truths. You may not agree all the time, but if you don't demonstrate that you've listened well, if you don't demonstrate that you've really heard, then you are going to turn people off. Now, this is in general. But if you do this regularly enough with your spouse, you are just going to create empty rooms of important conversations that you never walk into. The doors to those rooms will be locked. You'll be standing in the halls of your mind, in the halls of your relationship, and there will be a great many doors lined up on either side of the hallway. Many of them will be locked. They will have a sign on them. Do not enter. Danger awaits. And you get to that spot because you've not cultivated an attitude or a willingness or the skill of listening effectively. Because eventually, somebody gets tired and frustrated and they don't want to live in conflict. And so they decide that they're not going to bring up any subject any longer. And they're just going to put up and deal with whatever it is that they're facing. You don't want that to be your marriage. Because I'll tell you what, that door may be locked. It may have cobwebs across the door frame. But there will come a point in time where you're going to be forced to enter that door. And the sooner you do that, the better it is in your relationship. The sooner that you can work through uh, various issues, or that you can allow yourself to be open-minded about various issues, the better that will be. Now again, as believers, this should be an easy task for us, right? Because we are, we are not subject to one another's whims and desires. We are subject primarily to the infallible, inerrant, objective, eternal Word of God. And so that's what should drive us and drive our conversations and drive our worldview and the way that we approach life. We shouldn't shut down. We should be willing to open up, to keep our rooms clean and tidy and all the doors unlocked so that even difficult conversations are easy to have. Perhaps they're not always easy, but they're accessible. That's a better way to phrase it. Difficult conversations may not be easy, but they're accessible. You may not have to spend a long time in that room, 
but at least the door is open and it's inviting. All right, well, I'm going to come back next week with some more information on the importance of listening and to some ways to demonstrate how you've listened. And then we'll start talking about how do you, instead of listening, how do you speak? How do you use your tongue? That instrument that God says is one of the most dangerous aspects and parts of the entire body. All right, well, I hope that you've been blessed by this study. I pray that you will, in your marriage relationship and and in other relationships, be able to apply these truths in such a way that you see growth in your marriage and you are able to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Have a great day.